0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. I'm Steve Guglielmi, Editorial Director for Knowledge at Wharton. When we listen to someone trying to persuade us about something, we may think that we are reacting to their message or what they're saying. But according to Wharton marketing professor Jonah Berger, the way they are speaking plays a big role in whether or not we are persuaded. He has recently co-authored a paper on the topic titled, How the Voice Persuades, and he's joining us today to talk about it. Uh, Thanks
1: very much for joining us, Jonah. Thanks for having me. What was the inspiration for this research? You know, almost everyone has someone they want to persuade. Uh, If you think about salespeople, they want to persuade the customer or the client. If you want to think about marketers, they want to persuade the consumer. You think about leaders want to uh, persuade employees. Managers uh, want to persuade their boss. Uh, You know, lots of people, uh, from politicians to folks in business, want to persuade others. But persuasion is often quite difficult. Uh, As we'll talk about, you know, often we try to persuade others they're less likely to do what we suggest. And so we wondered, well, how might the voice that someone uses, the way they talk, in addition to the words they use, affect what other people do, affect whether other people listen. Uh, and recently, I've been fortunate to do a lot of work on text analysis, so sort of uh, processing textual data to understand how it impacts behavior. Uh, things like looking at the words used in customer service calls and how they impact satisfaction or predicting success of songs or movies based on their lyrics or their scripts. Um, but while we looked at the language itself, the words themselves, we, we paid less attention to how those words were used. And so in this project, we wanted to begin to say, well, what about paralanguage? What about vocal features? And and how might those aspects impact persuasion? As you noted, sometimes the more you try to persuade someone, the less
0: effective it is. What has past research, research said about why it is that sometimes these attempts to persuade
1: backfire? There's a concept in behavioral science called reactance. And I think this is something many of us are at least a little bit familiar with. But uh, when we try to push someone to do something, ask them to do something, persuade them to do something, they often don't do what we want. They often do the opposite. They often push back. A good way to think about it is almost like an anti-persuasion radar. Uh, it detects incoming projectiles and sort of uh, shoots up things to knock them down. And so when people hear someone trying to persuade them, they push back. They react against the message. Uh, you know, in some cases, we do... Delete an incoming email if we know it's trying to persuade us. We see an ad, we walk out of the room. But it, it's not only that, we also counter argue against those messages. So if we watch an ad or if we listen to someone trying to persuade us, we're often not just listening to them, we're thinking about all the reasons that they're wrong, why they're saying isn't exactly true, how it could be differently, why we shouldn't listen to what they're saying. And so for all those reasons, it's really hard to persuade someone to do something. When they know we're trying to persuade them, they're actually less likely to listen to what we might want to say.
0: So your research focuses on paralinguistic cues or how we say things as opposed to sort of the words that we're speaking. So what are are some of the different types of vocal cues that people
1: tend to use when they are trying to persuade others? Yeah, so first I think it's important to talk about what we mean by paralinguistic cues, and that is um, all the vocal features from uh, a conversation, from what someone might say to one, uh, one another. So you can think about pitch, uh, how high-pitched or low-pitched someone is talking. I can talk at a very high pitch, and I can talk at a very low pitch. I can talk at a, high, a faster rate. I can speak very quickly, or I can speak more slowly. I can talk at a high volume, or I can talk at a lower volume. Um, even inner turn time, uh, when you ask me a question for example, I can take a long time to respond, waiting a pause or a couple seconds to respond, or can I respond very quickly uh, to what you might say? Um, And all of those are examples uh, of paralinguistic features, uh, examples of ways that people might modulate their voice uh, when, when talking to one another. In this case, we found that when people are trying to persuade, they tend to use a number of different features. They increase their pitch, they vary that pitch more, they speak faster, in addition, to raising their volume and varying their volume. So they try a number of things when they try to persuade. Not all of them are actually effective, but when we're trying to persuade, we tend to do a lot of things, even without realizing it, uh, that might shift the way our voice sounds.
0: Well, you studied this over the course of four experiments. Um, what would you say uh, you found in terms of which types of vocal cues were actually the most effective?
1: Yeah, so uh, we found a couple things. So, first of all, we did a variety of experiments in in different contexts. So, uh, we asked people to try to persuade someone else to buy a television, for example, like they might in an online review. We asked people to persuade others to do a task that we had asked them to do, persuade them to do one task rather than than another. Uh, And in all these cases, we asked them, in addition to changing what they might say, uh, some participants also changed the way that they said it. Some participants tried really hard to persuade others, not through the exact words, but through what they said and and how they said it, and others didn't try uh, so hard to persuade others. They just used their regular voice. And what we found is that increasing and varying volume, so talking more loudly, uh, but also varying that volume during these attempts, uh, had an effect. But what was interesting is it wasn't necessarily the reason, one, one might think. So one reason that changing your voice might have an effect is people don't realize the voice impacts behavior. Uh, you might expect, hey, you know, someone changes their voice. I'm not aware that that's happening. And so it's a subtle non-conscious influence. Well, I'm aware of what they're saying. Someone says, you should buy this TV. It's really great. I go, oh, why are they saying that? They're trying to persuade me. Um their vocal features are harder for me to detect. It's almost like that radar we talked about, that anti-persuasion radar, doesn't detect an incoming persuasion attempt, and so it's not as, not as uh, impacted. Uh, but it's actually not that. People detected that someone else was trying to persuade them. When we, when we persuade through our voice, um, not just what we say, but even using vocal features, someone can tell that we're trying to do it. So it wasn't just that it went undetected, but what happened is it made the communicators seem more confident. When people were trying to persuade others, they modulated their voice by changing the volume and changing the variation in their volume in a way that made them sound more confident. And because they seemed more confident in what they were saying, that confidence led to, led to greater persuasion. And so it's not so much that people don't realize that we're trying to persuade them. It's they might realize it, but we sound more confident in some cases when we're trying to persuade, when we use the right vocal features. And because we sound more, more confident, we're more impactful. You noted that this research applies
0: to lots of different types of arenas. Um, And for example, I mean, politics would be another one. Uh, What would you say the key takeaways are for
1: um, those who are interested in your research? I mean, I think the first thing to think about is we often think about what we say. We pay a lot less attention to how we say it whether we're a politician trying to convince a large audience, whether we're a leader trying to convince an organization, or a doctor trying to convince a patient, or whether we're a marketer or a salesperson trying to convince a customer or client. We haven't spent a lot of time on the words we're saying, and even sometimes think about speaking slowly and standing up straight. We think a lot less about the vocal features. Uh, it's often a, an unconscious thing that we engage in. And it's an important area uh, to consider. And, and in particular, there's a lot of research, not even ours, but outside of this research, showing the power of a voice just in general. I think in today's day and age, you know, we're so used to shooting off an email or texting someone or doing something else because it's easier. Uh, we don't wanna take the time and uh, you know, set up a phone call worried if, oh, you know, what are they gonna say and how are we gonna react? And so uh, in these more asynchronous methods, written communication, we have more time to construct and refine what to say. And so we think we can pitch things better uh, that way. But first of all, it's easier to ignore uh, those pitches. And second of all, some other research shows that the voice is really humanizing. It really brings out the people Uh, behind what is being said um, and in a variety variety of domains can have a bigger impact. And so there's really a power of voice that we often don't think very much about. And so while in some cases it's more effortful to call someone, to get together in person, to actually use our voice beyond just the words we say, we should think more about communication modalities when we're communicating and think about which ones are going to be most effective for the impact that we're trying to have. So, when we're in a a working environment, should this persuade us to walk down the hall and talk to someone as opposed to send them an email, would you say? Certainly. You know, there's a, a lot of research that came out, uh, you know, an email first came out showing that emails are easily misinterpreted, right? So we think we're being very clear and someone on the other end thinks we're screaming at them, for example. Um, and so it's easy to, to misinterpret uh, uh, just words without some of the vocal cues that come along with them. Um, but in addition to, to the misinterpretation, I think the voice just has a powerful humanizing effect. Um, it's much easier to see people as not a real person uh, when they're just words in front of us. Whereas when we hear their voice, We really get that richness, that sense of who they are as an individual. They have a a sense of mind. Uh, We may treat them more fairly, and we may react better to them because because we hear that voice. And so not only should we walk down the hall to talk to a colleague, but, you know, we think about maybe we want to do that pitch in person or over the phone rather than just over over email. We should think about situations where that humanizing power of voice is useful, where the persuading uh, power of voice is useful, um, and make sure to use those features of our voice that can actually help us. You sound super persuasive, <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> Where do you think this research will uh, will take you next? Yeah. You know, this is my first uh, foray into, into this space. Uh, my colleague, Alex Van Zant, who's the first author on this paper, knows a lot about voice. Um, but, you know, we're doing a bunch of work uh, both uh, on analyzing text and on analyzing uh, paralinguistic cues or vocal features. So another project we're doing, for example, we're looking at customer service calls. We're saying, well, what about the words agents use might make customers more satisfied, but also how? How they say those words, uh, for example, think about pauses uh, you know we 're having a conversation. Should I pause more or less? Maybe pausing as a customer service agent gives time for the customer to respond yes, yes, oh yes, I agree with what you're saying. And that agreement actually helps facilitate that that interaction. Um, and so in a varied, variety of domains, thinking not only about the text itself and what is language uh, signal, but what a vocal features signal as well. What, what I find particularly interesting about this area as a, as a scientist, but also someone who teaches in a business school, you know, we often don't think uh, about the words that we put out there in the world, uh, but words are really powerful. Um, you know, we tell our kids there are certain magic words that have more impact uh, than others, but words do a couple of things. You know, One, they reflect something about the people that create them. Uh, so you can learn a lot about a person from the words they use. Uh, in, a, in an employee context, for example, you can tell whether someone's going to stick around at a company, get fired, or leave on their own based on the words they use in their email whether those words are more similar or more different to the language that the company tends to use can give a signal of who they are and and whether they're going to be likely to stick around. But words not only reflect things about the people that create them, they also impact uh, the people that consume them, whether they're individuals or or culture more broadly. And so in this case, persuasion, you know, we have an audience that we're trying to persuade, but more generally, whether we're writing a song, creating a a movie or doing anything that involves language, think about how those words impact that audience is a a really powerful uh, opportunity. And so So we're both studying the words themselves as well as how those words uh, are used for, for insight into human behavior.
0: Well, thanks very much for giving us your time today, Jonah. Thanks for having me. If you'd like to learn more about Jonah Berger's research or hear other podcasts like this one, uh, visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. You can also find us on your favorite podcast app. And if you can, uh, please leave us a review. It really does help others to find our content. Thank you. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.